Okay, we'll continue with our reflection, and we'll look at John's first letter, 1 John, chapter 3. And it begins, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. What a great beginning. You can see John's pretty excited about this. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. So there's a man who obviously knows who he is. John, who laid his head up against the sacred heart of Jesus at the Last Supper, the beloved disciple. There's a man who knew who he was and who knew that he was loved. John was a young man. He was like 19, 20 years old when he was called. So when he's writing this, well, actually, when he's writing this, he might be a pretty old man. Because he lived to be a long He lived to be a ripe old age. But he's reflecting on his experience of Jesus and the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. He knew that Jesus wanted him to feel loved. He did feel loved by God. Did he always feel loved by the people around him? No because some people tried to kill him. So that wasn't so warm and fuzzy. But that didn't shake his faith in God's love for him. So there's the rub, right? Because we place certain expectations on other people to love us unconditionally. Let me repeat that, right? We place expectations on other people to love us unconditionally. It's not going to happen. Right? They might surprise us every once in a while. Right? But at the end of the day, there's only one person who can love us perfectly. And that's God. And his mother. So there's one man and one woman in the history of the world who can really love us perfectly. Jesus and Mary. So that obviously takes faith, right? That takes faith to enter into that relationship and to experience that kind of love. But as you've heard me say before, that's the Holy Spirit's job. (laughs) To make that something real for you and for me. And again, we don't have to earn that. We don't have to make God proud of us. God's already proud of you. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to get his attention. He's already paying attention to you. God is always paying attention to you in a loving way. So you don't have to get his attention. (laughs) Hey, God! My grandma died at 103. She thought God had forgotten about her. (laughs) I said, no, Grandma. God didn't forget about you. Yeah. God is always paying attention to you. Lovingly. 
But, you know, again, we grow up and we develop certain thoughts and certain expectations about ourselves and about other people. And, but I think those are really more identity wounds. In other words, they are wounds to our true identity than anything else. And so God in his truth and his love wants to heal those wounds. And I think this expectation that we place on ourselves or that in some way we feel like we have to do something in order to get God to pay attention to us, in order to make him love us, that we have to somehow do more or be more, I think that's often a certain expectation that we place on ourselves that doesn't come from God. I was talking with Kay Brown and a few of her team members on Monday morning, and I was sharing with them a little bit this idea that sometimes we get fixated on behavior, on our behavior, right? And, you know, we do our examination of conscience and we read about, you know, what Christian virtue should look like. And I think we can easily become obsessed with behavior modification. I wish I would do less of that. Like, you know, I wish I would not lose my temper so much or I wish I wouldn't, you know, eat or drink so much or I wish I would be more prayerful and spend more time in prayer and I wish... You know, I could be more uh, generous or more patient or whatever. So we, we focus a lot on our behavior, and we want to change our behavior. But we've all been there, you know. We, we make a resolution to do something or to not do something, and it lasts maybe for a few days, <laughs> right? Maybe a few weeks if we're lucky. And then what? You know, we, we don't do it. You know, or we continue to do something that we don't want to do. And then we get discouraged, right? Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. And that's a pretty vicious cycle. But the thing is, the Lord wants us to focus more on who we are. He wants us to focus more on who we are in him. As I began today's reflection Our behavior is going to flow from our identity. So if we get that right, and if we focus on that, the good works will flow from a healthy sense of identity. And then we'll have more balance. Then we'll have more joy. Then we'll have more peace when that identity piece is in the proper place, when it's given the proper attention that it deserves. John goes on here, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, like in our glorified bodies, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself 
as he is pure. That purity, and not sexual purity, but just purity of intention, as Therese would put it, you know, having that single-mindedness, that's probably a healthier way of conceiving of purity, single-mindedness. On the Lord and his love for me, related to my identity. He goes on in verse 16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And then he goes on in chapter 4. Verse 9, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So, you can see there's an emphasis on identity. And then from identity flows the good life, the life of Grace. Because we've been brought into this order of grace. There's the order of nature, and we know that the order of nature has become corrupted. It's become distorted. It's become broken because of sin. But then there's the order of grace. Grace comes in. God's power and presence comes into a broken world, comes into our brokenness. And he gives us new life in the order of grace. It's an infusion of grace, his power, his presence. And every day he wants to give you that infusion of love, of truth. He wants to remind you of who you are. And who he is, and what he has done for you, of what you have become. Let's wrap up here by looking at Romans 8, verses 12 and following. So then, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, to the order of nature, if you will. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit 
that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And it's not suffering for the sake of suffering's sake. (laughs) But it's then allowing him to love through us. Again, if we are loved, if we come into this relationship, into this sonship, this adoption, then from that the Spirit works through us. And then, yeah, we're going to suffer because of the brokenness that we encounter in this world. Not only our own brokenness, but the brokenness of the people around us, the suffering of of the people around us. So we'll be more compassionate. We will become more Christ-like as we become more and more the sons and daughters that he created us to be. So Jesus, as we continue to pray this morning, we pray for an outpouring of this spirit of adoption. We pray for a greater awareness of our true identity. Help us to appreciate more and more, Lord, what we have become because of what you have done for us. And help us to know, despite life's ups and downs, that you want us to feel loved by you. Help us to know that you're always paying attention to us and that you care about us. You care about what we think. You care about how we feel. And that more than anything... You want us to be with you, and you want to be with us. So once again, Lord, we thank you for calling us here, for choosing us to be with you here this morning, for wanting to be here with us, for wanting to bless us. Lord, you know that we all have broken hearts. We pray that you would infuse your light your grace and mercy, your peace and your joy into our hearts. We open them up to you. We need you, Lord. We need you to remind us of who we are and of who you are. Help us to trust in you more. Help us to hope in you more. Help us to have a greater faith, a greater supernatural spirit to live in this order of grace more and more. To live as citizens of heaven, even here on this earth. To become fully alive. To entrust the fulfillment of all our desires to you and to Mary. And as we close, let us pray together in the words our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.